Hey there, it's Seth Gabriel, producer of this fine radio program, and I just want to say a few words about our two hosts, Stephen Elgin and Craig Kohler. Steve is one of the kindest, warm-hearted people you will ever meet. I'd hate to brag, but I have played a key role in Stephen's development and working in radio. Now we work together great. He's respectful, hardworking, demonstrates so much patience, and is just a good guy and so much fun to work with. Here you go, face, trying to save it, and it says, f***ing this stupid thing, I push this f***ing thing. Oh, could not open MP3 encoding library. You don't think I f***ing tried that already? And I haven't Googled how to fix that because I don't have the f***ing time. And then there's Craig. Not enough nice things to say about this fella. Any kind words you may say about anyone, you can say about Craig. He gives 100% every show and 1,000% when it comes to being an overall great guy with a big heart and a kind soul. He loves everyone, and everyone loves him. I'm, I'm still from f***ing South City. I'm still going to break your f***ing mouth uh, if you come to me with that bull. So, there's that. No condescension there. Um, you're not an equal in my group. I'd, I'd like to, you are when it comes to civil conversation, you don't just get to dump your f***ing garbage in my living room. So, uh, take your shit and get the f***ing one. No one gives a f*** about you. Now we're throwing it back to Hoosier Sophisticate here on WGNU 920 AM and streaming live at WGNU920AM.com. Enjoy, you freaks. Okay, I was at Camp, uh, Camp Zoe. Uh, that's the place I went to Amazing. Kamikaze Kusish played there, the guys who uh, did that. There you song. go. That's, that's a little ex- song by them. It's exactly the type of music that you'd get down sure. at Schwagstock. Beautiful place, old campground. It's a state park now. Yeah, I know. Echo Bluff, they've yeah. ruined a lot of that, but we won't get into that right now. Um, so it's the morning time of Schwag, the, the second day. First day, you have just, I mean, it's insane. I remember a guy came up. He's like, I got these chocolates. Immediately, I hadn't even set up my tent yet. And I'm like, yes, please. I ate them. I'm setting up my tent. Hours later, just like, oh, what is it? What is it? I should have set up my tent Make first. Make sure you set up camp first. He took me around later to see if, like, the, the chocolates were real. This wasn't just chocolate, was it? No. And it wasn't just a Hershey kiss, like, hey, I, I have one. Why friend, don't you have one? friend told me there's some type <laughs> in it, and he took me around. I was like, yeah, I'll walk around with you. And people would say, are these real, man? Are these legit? And he'd be like, look at this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, you were a walking billboard. Yeah, you were a selling point. <laughs> I was. I was. So that day, it was great. For, Can you argue with the results? <laughs> the first time I understood uh, um, uh, tie-dye. We walked over a field. I heard the music, and then we walked down this this hill, and everyone was wearing tie dye. And I was like, Pfft. I was like, that's why, that's why all of them wear it. Oh, that's awesome! First time ever. I was like, oh, give me a tie dye shirt now. I'm in. Um, I'm wearing umbra stuff and an Adidas jacket. Um, so I'm I'm having a good old time. The next morning, me and my buddy to get up. We decide to get drunk off of bee stings. Be a drink called bee sting. I think it's like. Kind of like a meaty honey drink, like a warmy whiskey and meaty? honey. Meat, mead. Did e- oh. e- <laughs> we put a little meat in there. Uh, you don't put meat in your drink in the morning? It's stupid. Um, it's so, got a hearty mouthfeel. So we're drinking. We're drinking that. We're going hard at like 9 a.m. It's funny because, you know, around noon, we're smashed at this point. Me and my buddy Willie, we're, we're, we're hammered. And everyone starts, you know, partaking in the parties and the festival atmosphere. And here comes a butterfly. And we're all kind of like, well, you know, and I'm, I'm wasted kind of watch these people. A couple of, you know, people are tripping out, probably four or five, and they walk over and the thing lands on a, a, a branch of a bush. And everyone's kind of like, oh, look at it. And it's flapping its wings up mm-hmm. and down. And, I mean, this creature is beautiful. It's everything these people have been wanting to see. It's just this awesome moment. In I'll bet you guys stared at it for what you thought was five minutes, but it was like well, see, the I, entire afternoon. I hadn't started tripping yet. I'm still. I'm on a different <laughs> level. I'm like, this dude, butterfly. You know, and everybody else like, it's nature, it's God. You know, and I'm like, yeah. Willie in his drunken stupor comes stumbling over in between everybody, plucks this thing off the bush and eats it in front of these people. <laughs> in his mouth. He's got a wing flapping out of his mouth. He's like and everyone's like what have you done? Like he he ate happiness. Okay, so he just ate all these people's, their construct of happiness. We are joined by an amazing guest. Um, We got Mr. Ferranti in here. 
and he's going to tell us a little bit about his uh, his story, his tale. He's a writer. Um, he's got a movie documentary coming out, and uh, I want to hear some stuff. Um, can you tell us in a nutshell, what is this white boy Rick we've been hearing so much about? Um, white boy Rick was, uh, um, he's a guy from Detroit, you know, and he, he was living down. He was a white kid. His family lived down in the inner city of Detroit, you know, like during the crack era. And um, his dad was actually uh, like an FBI drug task force, you know, informant. Because he used to go to gun shows and he would buy guns and silencers and stuff like that. And then he would sell it, you know, to like the gangsters, you know, and guys down in, in the hood. Oh, yeah. But then what he would do, he was double dipping. At the same time, he would sell the information to like the FBI and the local drug task force, you know, and, and they would come in and bust the people. So he was getting paid once by them and then he was getting paid once by the cops. So he was doing this, but when the when the crack era started, you know, and there were all these, you know, a lot of people made a lot of money real quick, and these big drug organizations just kind of sprang up overnight, you know, with the advent of crack. And, um, you know, the, the, the feds, the FBI, and the local drug task force, they, they wanted to know. They, they were, like, asking all their informants, you know, like, who, who, who are the guys running this? What are the organizations? You know, we need to get information. So they went to the dad, but... You know, the dad was like, I'm not out on the street. I don't really know these guys. But his son, who was 14, Richard Worshey, was right there. And he knew some of the names that they were asking about because he was outside every day, you know, like in the streets, riding bikes. You know, like what 13, 14, 15 yeah, year old kids do. Totally. Yeah, you know, playing basketball and stuff like Heck that. Yeah. So, you know, he knew everything. So he started telling them everything. And what, the, what they did is. Um, they, like, made him into a drug dealer. They started getting him drugs to sell and money to do buys. The feds are doing this? Yeah, They're... the FBI and the Detroit Police Department. And he's Department. 14? Yeah. <laughs> and then all the information that they were getting from him, they were filing under the dad's informant number. So, I mean, they were just doing really, you know, highly questionable. So, so there was uh, nothing on the books stuff. that would show this kid was, was hired by them. He was like, he was a black op, basically. Yeah, and then, um, and then they, they had a case against this guy named Johnny Curry, the Curry, Curry organization, which was a big east side, you know, drug ring that, that Rick had actually, Rick was like, Johnny Curry was almost like a mentor to him. He was like under... You know, Johnny Curry yeah. working for him, but he was giving information to the cops at the same oh, time. Geez. So then when they busted the Curry organization, you know, and they started getting ready to go to trial, you know, the defense, you know, the defense lawyers were like, you know, where's all this information coming from? You know, yeah. who is this confidential informant? You know, they were trying to figure out, you know, who it yeah. was. And, uh, you know, as soon as the cops, they felt the heat, they didn't want to expose or let the right people know or the wrong people yeah. know that they had an underage informant. I mean, because that's illegal. So, you know, they kind of just kicked him to the curb, you know, and he, you know, he, they had made him into a drug dealer. So it was like he just kept doing, yeah, you know, yeah. plus the, his boss, the guy that he worked for, Johnny Curry, was gone. So, I mean, the, the kid was really, I mean, he was only like 16, 17. He actually, Johnny Curry got locked up. He started sleeping with Johnny Curry's wife, who was the daughter or the niece of Mayor Coleman Young. So Ooh. once, yeah, so once he did that, he like, I mean, you know, there's always been, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the feds have always investigated, you know, like Mayor Coleman Young and his regime. I mean, he never got busted for anything, but they were always trying to pin something on yeah. him, like he was corrupt. Or was this, this around the time, like, Marion Barry in D.C.? Yeah, 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 same thing, like, late, you know, mid to late 80s. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, That's when they knew how to party, mayors. Yeah. <laughs> so, Seth, before we get too far ahead, can you... Uh, you have a uh, maybe a different perspective on this whole story and how you came about this information. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, um, uh, you know, where you're from, and uh, how, how you came to know this and, and how you came to be where you're at right now. All right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm basically grew up in California, but I, I was a military brat, so I lived overseas, you know, here and there. And then uh, when, when my dad retired, we actually moved to northern Virginia, and he got a job as a defense contractor. So um, I moved to northern Virginia. I was probably like... I don't know, probably uh, 15, 16. And, uh, you know, we're going around like kids. We're, we're trying to party. You know, we're trying to get weed. We're trying to get acid. And, I mean, it's just dry. I mean, this was, a, you know, late, like, 87, 88, too. But, I mean, you just couldn't find anything. Or what we could find, it was, like, garbage weed or, yeah. you know, acid, like, 20 cents a hit. It was, like, ridiculous. So It's like dollar yeah. menu, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it was like, like being the new kid. You know, I was like, oh, man, I got, I got, I got, you know, relatives in California. They could send me whatever. 
and I could get like good weed. And so that's how it kind of started. You know, just a guy. little bit. Yeah, and then. Um, how old were you at the time again? I was like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, it, tra- it it kept, you know, getting bigger as everybody graduated. I went to a big high school, like 4,000 people, okay. and I was selling to everybody there. But then as everybody started going to colleges, I kept selling to them. They just got bigger amounts. For sure. You know, and they as I became a bigger drug dealer, you know, they became you bigger franchised. drug dealers. Yeah, and uh, I mean, by the time I was uh, 19, 20 years old, I, w- I was supplying like 15 colleges in five states on the East Coast with uh, LSD and marijuana. Wow. Oh, my, oh, my. So uh, I assume that that story came to a, a screeching halt at, uh, oh, yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah at, uh, around at, um, in 1991, I caught a case. I got indicted for LSD conspiracy. And um, now I was 20 years old. I had a little money. I, I wasn't didn't have, like, Pablo Escobar money or anything like that. But, you know, I had a little money. So I was kind of like, well... You know, they brought the case against me, and they were talking like 10 to life. I'm like, man, I'm not going to jail. And then, you know, the other thing, like, they wanted me to, like, cooperate and snitch on everybody. I'm like, well, I'm not doing that. If that's my two choices, yeah. you know, snitch or go to jail, I took off. You know, I was a fugitive. How'd they catch you? Or the first time? Like, how'd you get the charges the first time? Oh, it was actually, um, my, my whole case sprung from, uh, there was a, they had this big fuel party out in Clifton. That's like the area in northern Virginia, Fairfax County, where um, like a lot of politicians and, you know, Washington Redskins play, players. Okay. Like back then, it yeah. was like million-dollar houses back then, so I don't even know what it is, you know, now. But uh, there was this big field party, and uh, the cops got called to the field party, and there, there was this kid who was tripping on acid, and he was running through the woods naked or something and the cops you know went and apprehended him and tackled him and he took the cop's gun out of the holster and he shot the cop in the arm oh my god yeah so and it was like a little 15 year old kid and so then they started investigating that and uh you know they said it was it was like an lsd witch hunt they were just trying to bust everything for you know they called in the dea and you know they say like that came from my organization even though it was like seven people removed they blamed me for that So that's how that happened in like June of 91. And then uh, I was indicted by uh, September 91. So um, you went on the run and then uh, you end up kind of, I guess, close to close to home here around the St. Louis area. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I faked my suicide. Okay. In the uh, Great Falls. You know, Great Falls is like uh, it's like class five rapids and it's like. You know, all types of rock, so it's like only like, you know, superstar kayakers yeah. and stuff like that. But I, I remember when I moved there, you would always see like in the metro section of the Washington Post, people would jump in the water to commit suicide. So, you know, I, I staged my suicide and I wrote like a, a little, you know, suicide note and made like a little scene. And then I went and I, I went to California, you know, and I actually. I blew a lot of money in California because I had a little bit of money, but I blew a lot of money in California over six months. So then I went back to Texas and hooked up with a Mexican guy that I was getting weed from before. And I met a guy from St. Louis that was working in a restaurant down there in the Dallas, Texas area. And he was coming back to St. Louis one time. And I was like, you know anybody that will buy some weed? And he was like, yeah. So that's like my whole St. Louis connection. Oh, so man. I, yeah, I started coming up here. I started bringing loads of weed. You know, not not big loads. I would bring like 25, 50 pounds. You know, yeah, not big. You know, and I, I was selling stuff around here, and then, you know, I had a couple guys like up in Columbia, like University of Missouri. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and uh, eventually when, when I got caught, it was just like a, a you know, it was like a, a – like a, like, not like a traffic stop, but I think we were smoking a joint or something like in the oh, back, of, no. back parking lot of the restaurant. And the restaurant had got robbed like a week before, so they thought we were casing the yep. restaurant. And they called the cops. And I didn't have any weed on me, but the guy I was with, he had like a half pound of weed in the truck. And he was actually, you know, he worked for me, sold stuff for me. So they arrested us, and uh, they released me. But then three days later, they matched up my prints because at the time I didn't know, but I was a, a top 15 U.S. Marshals. Uh, Fugitive? Yeah. Jeez. For whatever reason. I mean, I was like a first-time nonviolent offender. Yeah, that's a like, big deal. And they made me like I'm a, uh, you know, like I'm Jeffrey Dahmer or something. Uh, we are joined right now on the phones with a Johns Hopkins Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences, Dr. Matthew Johnson. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Excellent. Doing really well. 
<laughs> you know, it's nice to uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you on here because we talk, uh, you know, we're on terrestrial radio here in St. Louis, and we talk psychedelics, we talk about cannabis uh, legalization, we kind of just talk about out-of-the-box type things. So it's always excellent to have an actual doctor on here kind of breaking this down for us. Um, how did you, you know, I always try to start out with this question, Where? how did you find yourself on this path that you're on with psychedelics? Yeah, I stumbled across this kind of like hidden history back when I was an undergraduate, this earlier research that happened from the 50s through the early 70s that was um, uh, done with mainly LSD, but really promising research that had really just been buried and not for any really credible reasons. It was largely through just associations with the counterculture and you know, not not really concerns about whether this the research could be done safely, um, but just a lot of bogus, you know, reasons. And so it seemed like a really attractive area. And so I was able to, to 15 years ago, um, get involved early on, right after I finished my Ph.D., um, start some uh, uh some research with psilocybin myself where I was doing my postdoctoral work here at Johns Hopkins and I've been able to continue that like for 15 years ever since and it, it, it's sort of like um, it's worked out because there's not a lot of funding for that work and it's sort of on the side even though we've gotten a heck of a lot done but you know I sort of have a day job in terms of my research and in terms of things that kind of bring in most of the research dollars to kind of keep my job going. But, um, yeah, the psychedelics are clearly the most promising side of my research and an area of just incredible interest, um, a lot of potential there. It, it, we're just at the tip of the iceberg, I feel like, for all of this information. Uh, as far as, like, your scientific circles go, because I love your passion. Like, you can hear it in your voice. You're fired up. It's firing us up. We're, we get fired up about it all the time. Um, are you familiar with Terrence McKenna? Real quick, uh, inner, inner question there. Terrence McKenna, never heard of Because <laughs> I was like, man, this guy is going to be our new Terrence McKenna. I love this guy. But in the scientific yeah. world... Do, do... I've probably spent too 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 much time uh, listening to Terrence McKenna. Uh, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, audio clips. And I've read a couple of his books, too. Uh, Food of the Gods. Um, yeah, yeah. Invisible Landscape and, oh, what's the... Food of the Gods. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do, does the you know? Are you considered like the, the the mushroom scientist or whatever? Are your other scientist buddies like, oh man, I'm trying to cure cancer over here. You're messing around with mushrooms, buddy. Or, is or, it, or do you use synthesized psilocybin? Yeah, how does that so work? So we use synthesized. So I'd have to say, you know, there's 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 a number of researchers. So it's 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 a great it's it's a great field to be in because it is growing. It's it, we are in our infancy, but it's growing, and I have a number of great universities. It's a handful of labs across the world but it's growing and so so anyway um just to describe kind of the landscape but um uh yeah it's it's synthetic psilocybin that we've done our our research with there um you know there are potential questions actually that one could look at comparing synthetic psilocybin to mushrooms that's actually research that we could do if there was a funding present for it um there <laughs> There's probably, a, you know, there's a stronger case to be made. It may not be the case. I'm sorry. When you look at something like cannabis, it's a pretty clear case that there's more going on than just THC. So you have cannabidiol and, in fact, a, a number of other um, psychoactives that, that, that do make whole plant cannabis different than just THC. There's less of a case to be made, even though, we should do the research, and we don't really. This is kind of just extrapolating from what's known. There's pro, that's probably not the case with mushrooms because you have such a, such low levels of other compounds. So there's things like baocysteine and norbaocysteine, which are also present in mushrooms, but they're at such low levels they probably don't contribute much to the effects. But they could. It's an unknown. Um, there's also psilocin, which is is psilocybin after it's lost its phosphoryl. It's dephosphorylated, um, but that's essentially the same as psilocybin because psilocybin, it's pretty convincing the science on this that it's immediately 
converted to psilocin in the body anyway. So the mushroom contains psilocin and psilocybin, but all of the psilocybin is turned right to psilocin when it's in the body anyway, and then it's always psilocin that's hitting the brain receptors. So that might be too much in the weeds, but no, um, no that's actually I was I actually yeah. had psilocin pulled up on my phone. I was going to ask you about that. I've never seen Craig smile so hard is, in all is, my you life. Know, a lot of people get starstruck. <laughs> I've been rambling with all of my questions. A lot of people are starstruck by you know uh, musicians, pop and, stars. And, yeah, I'm sitting here talking to a psychedelic researcher, choking on my words, <laughs> He's dying trying to her. figure out what I want to ask you because I want to ask you a million things. I can tell his brain is just cooking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually fried right now. Uh, <laughs> insurance quote anywhere. What people are really looking for is someone to help manage the risk of everyday life. And that's exactly what James Carlton State Farm does. He's also dangerously handsome. He has a dream James Carlton has the best customer service in the game. You'll never get a voicemail and you'll always get a great back rub. He has a softest hands. A strong sense of community is important to who he is as an agent. From local school sponsorships to sandbagging during floods, it's paramount to be a part of the community. We love the of his jet. Guys, call 314-961-4800. Find him online at carltoninsurance.net. We sophisticated Hoosiers, have you been to our website? Visit HoosierSophisticate.com and listen to our uncensored podcast. Share some laughs with us. Send us fan mail so we can feel warm and special. Buy our merchandise so that we can eat. Wear your Hoosier Sophisticate t-shirt at social gatherings and let the women approach you. Wear it around the office and get that big promotion instead of Ted. That's right. Screw Ted. Ted sucks. That's HoosierSophisticate.com. Hey there, Crager. Well, hey, Steve. How you doing, buddy? Man, I've been pretty good. Well, that's good. Hey, you heard anything about them newfangled hemp oils they got now? I just don't know where to find a good one. Well, I find the best full-spectrum hemp oil from MoMedCanCo.com. Where? I get it from MoMedCanCo.com. Is it expensive? It don't cost two kittens whiskers. And if you enter HOSO in the promo box, you're going to get yourself 15% off. Buddy, it sounds like we're squatting Tom Cotton. Darn right we are. Where can I find them? You can find them online, momedcanco.com, Missouri Medical Cannabis Company. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Go Google it. I wanna let those shingles down, girl, for you. I wanna let those shingles down, boy, for you. I'm gonna do some siding, get you excited. James Hardy siding. Google it. I'm really about calling it. You know I make your neighbors cry, cry. Cause we tell all the leaks go by. And you know we all do the side. Guys, Lifetime Roofing. They're the best roofers in the game. Best customer service. LifetimeSTL.com. Google them. The government thinks three letters are bad. So bad, in fact, we won't even mention them. They even think that we've been waiting on them to tell us what works and what doesn't. Fine. We'll play your game. Look, friends. Our fans have given us countless anecdotal testimonies of how Missouri Medical Cannabis Company's hemp oil is helping them and their pets. Now, we wouldn't be so forward as to say this oil that has been used for a couple thousand years for a smorgasbord of ailments and applications has any positive effect on your health or well-being. But we will tell you, it's a neat oil to have around the house. We personally think it makes your pet's food taste better. And if your pet's food tastes better, they're going to be happier and generally more playful. Come think of it, 
It probably makes your food taste better. May as well see if it makes you happier and more playful. Life's too short to worry about what a group of unelected bureaucrats think about you or your habits. Go to MoMedCanCo.com and try out this delicious oil. It might make things better. And by might, I mean it probably will, but we aren't crazy enough to say that. If you just want to taste it and try it out, enter HOSO at checkout, and you're going to get 15% off everything site-wide. Just a reminder, this hemp oil was rumored to have all kinds of benefits before Mitch McConnell saved us from something we didn't need saved from. Thanks, Mitch. MoMedCanCo.com. 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 Financial advice you can understand on the Dave Ramsey Show. What is the definition of a millionaire? Well, the definition of a millionaire is someone with a million dollar, a one million dollar or greater net worth. Net worth is defined as what you own minus what you owe. If you sold everything off, paid all your debts, would there be a million dollars or more in a pile? What you own minus what you owe, your assets minus your liabilities. When that equals a million dollars, you're a millionaire. The Dave Ramsey Show, weekdays at 1 p.m. right here on WGN. Sergeant Jabari Wright. In the Army, I was trained as a combat lifesaver. In 2012, had an accident and became paralyzed. I was used to working in healthcare and how am I supposed to help people when I'm in a wheelchair now? It really severely impacted my confidence. Jim Arndt, PAVE program, Paralyzed Veterans of America. PAVE helps veterans rebuild lives with valuable careers. We assess the skills, build the resumes, and help with the interviewing skills to be able to find a career that our veterans are looking for. PVA took what I was doing in the military and helped me translate that to meaningful employment in the civilian sector. Hooking up with them helped to empower me. PAVE really concentrates on the one-on-one relationships. Unlike other programs that measure success by placements alone, PAVE places greater emphasis on quality jobs and continued support. Our Partner for Life guarantee. To learn more, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. A little something different for the St. Louis radio world. He hasn't been sleeping in his bed. He'll come in our bed every night around 2.30, 3 o'clock. Put yeah. up an electrical fence <laughs> around that door and lock it. And, I mean, that works both ways. I mean, there's lots of fun to be had, but also it keeps them out. Here's the deal, though. <laughs> Break um, up the voltage. It'll be like Jurassic Park. Just like, <laughs> just blast that kid right away from him. He'll never try to sleep in your bed again at 3 o'clock in the morning. Actually, it'd probably be easier just to give him a shot collar. Who's your sophisticate? Fridays from 6 to 8 p.m. Here on WGNU. A voice for all of St. Louis. We are WGNU 920 AM and 106.9 FM. They had tanks, people with gills, and they were little babies, and they were in there just gulping, clawing at the sides. You see a turtle at the zoo, and it wants out, and you feel for it. They got humanoids crossed with fish and stuff. I mean... We are screwed, people. I mean, do you understand that? We're joined by Jen. Uh, Jen Kors. Hey, what's up, Jen? How you doing? Um, we're getting into a psychic reading, and I'm already feeling. This is our first right uh, three-time guest. <laughs> Todd is the man. Todd too. is the man, and I can't wait to share a little story with him. We talked about just a little bit. In the first segment, Todd, how are oh. you, sir? Good. How are you doing? Todd! Todd, he found the satchel. Todd, he found the satchel. I, okay. So here's the deal. When you were, when you were giving okay. me the reading on the bag, the lost bag, and you said it's on, uh-huh. it's on the first level, you know, it's it's. I feel like it's in a, a, a little container down I'm thinking, I got a one-level house. Now, what are you talking about, I'm Todd? thinking about the, the entertainment center, the lower bottom thing. And, I mean, we at this point have looked all over the place. Everywhere. I'm doing a little cleaning okay. out, donating some clothes the other day. Good in man. The, in the basement. And I grabbed in this, li- in this little container. Mm-hmm. And on top of it was a bunch of donate clothes. So I go take it to the, to the gas station, little donate bin thing for Salvation Army or whatever. Mm-hmm. Go to drop it in. This one's really heavy. I'm like, yeah, you're what charitable. is the deal with that? In the bottom of it is the bag in a little container. First floor. He, call, he called your shot, man. You called your shot, Todd. Puff your chest out, Todd. <laughs> We have, you know, we have Jen here in studio. Is it something? Do you ever? I mean, you do a lot of work over the phone and and kind of remotely, right? Like, if 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 Jim were to ask you some questions, could you could you maybe answer some questions for, her or at least make an attempt to? Oh, sure. I I, I do readings like uh, by phone, uh, Skype, uh, email, and I do them like all over the world. In fact, the other day I did one in uh, 
Qatar. I, I didn't even know where that was. I'm like, what? Yeah, it sounds Qatar? made up, Todd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do some to India, I do some to Australia, so it, it's like, um, it doesn't really matter where. So what I do is when I'm doing a reading for somebody, I kind of, um, there, there has to be a place where I sense their energy, and I don't need a lot of, um, you know, I don't need a lot of information from them usually, but when people first come to me for a reading, I kind of relate it to going to a car dealership. You know when you're going to a car dealership, it's like you're looking for a car, but then all of a sudden 50 guys come running to you like, and you're trying to hide the fact that you need a car because you know they're going to try to sell you one. Any way, shape, or form, they're going to come out and say, we have an offer for you today. So I kind of get that from people coming to me. It's like, no, we can't tell them what I'm thinking. You know, we can't tell them like, you know, like any any kind of knowledge or anything like that. Otherwise, you know, that's cheating. And I'm kind of like, no, 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 no. I need some information to actually get information from. And it's not like fishing, but it, it's kind of like I'm reading your energy. Um, <coughs> so, you know, with with Jen, uh, you know, we can talk, and if you have specific questions, that's always good. Well, hi, Todd. Again, how are you this hi. evening? <laughs> good. Now, are you involved with with the show there, or did, did they just take you off the street? And oh, say, she's a star pupil of the whole movement <laughs> here, the amendment to movement. She's <laughs> She's a she's a glomer like Craig. See, I kind of started this whole thing. Hey, I'll talk to you off air about it, Todd. It's a whole deal with these people. I'm sure you get it. Old friends, yeah. old yeah. friends. Yeah, Let's we're friends. No, she's not a she's not a stranger off the street. Yeah. We know each old other pretty well. Works really well. It's good. Yeah, but she's not old. We know that. So correct. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you got any questions um, for Todd? Okay. I mean, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> now, go ahead. Todd, do you have anything? Was there anything that was on your mind already? Well, what no? I'm going to do is, uh, first of all, okay, first of all, i got to get to know you. At least I need to get to know your energy. Um, now, are you, are you from the area? Yes. Okay. St. Louis. And I also, you know, the one thing that I keep getting, I get a significance from your mother. So I'm feeling like... Um, your skills and your abilities did go through your mother's line. So I'm kind of reading that part of you. Um, <clears throat> I also feel like like later you're going to be working with people. You're, you're almost going to be like a therapist type. And I feel that um, that kind of thing for you will work in the future. Um, I see you... You know, immediately I start getting a sense that you're going to be um, on the humanitarian side of your work, and yeah. you're going to be working with children and, and also the elderly, and working yeah. towards causes that you really want to do. Um, so I see that. Um, I also see you're an animal lover, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I saw her kick a dog on the way in here. <laughs> it's like everybody. Okay. Like, nah, I hate animals. Straight into Hampton. Straight into Hampton. <laughs> do you have pets at home? I do. Okay, what do you have? I, I have a little kitty and an old cat and an old dog. Okay, little kitty. Um, <laughs> are any of them missing? No, no, none of them are missing. They're all home and My safe. My work here is done. They've been returned home safe. Everybody's home safe. <laughs> was, was the older cat, no, is this male or female? A male. You tell okay. us. Okay. Um, was he originally yours, or did you, did you get him as a rescue? I, yeah, a rescue. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm I'm seeing because I'm getting a woman associated with the cat. Okay. Um, she, she feels now she feels slightly older to me, and I feel like she had health problems. Okay. I'm especially getting lung problems with her. Okay. Um, I'm feeling like she moved, or she moved in with relatives, or she went out of the area, or something like that. But um, okay, I'm, I'm feeling this cat has um, has fond memories and understands what happened and, and, and why he's with you. Um, and 
Uh, your cats tell me funny things, too. Um, Shut up, cat. Your cat cats. knows too much. I love my cat cat cats. Much. I love my cats. I love them. Your cat's got a lot of secrets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's talking about the dog. Now, it's your dog. Of, uh, what's your dog's name? Clyde. Oh, Clyde. Okay. All right. He's got, Clyde's got funny habits, and, and like, he keeps, like, scratching his behind or something like that. So I, I'm, I'm getting the cat's, like, you know, kind of inner humor coming out about the dog. Um, and, and they're all sort of a good group. Um, yes, but I do have a question like a Nickelodeon about cartoon. the animals. I have, a, quest- I have okay. a question about the dog. So okay. he's an old dog. And I have to make decisions soon, and I'm sad about making decisions soon. Do I need to make it sooner rather than later? Or oh, yeah, I take them out back. We can do it at the studio. <laughs> I don't know. It's a dog. Wow. Get a bottle of Jack. I'm kidding, guys. Johnny if Cash. I don't have to do I cried at Old Yeller. I'm kidding. How old is your dog now? He's 12. Okay. Uh, you have time. Radio. Um, you have time. I do, feel, I do feel some cataracts in the left eye. Yeah. Um... And I also get, uh, let me go through health here. Um, I am getting something on the skin. I'm getting kind of like cyst-type things or possibly a cyst, and one seems kind of down towards the abdomen area. So watch out for those kind of things. Um, but I'm feeling like... Uh, the dog has cysts, he, he has a giant cyst that he's had for an extremely long, down, long time down right on his abdomen. Okay. It's gigantic. Okay. It's Not incredible. necessarily the most helpful information, but pretty unbelievable. But it's, there. <laughs> pretty unbelievable. it's there. It's true. But okay, so that that leads us to this: are are these things causing him pain? No, actually, I'm getting benign cysts. So I'm not. I'm not getting malignant. So he's not um, in pain. I'm getting. I'm, I'm getting. Well, they they get painful when they're like towards the. Um, you know, towards the the legs and the and the softer skin there. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. sometimes they get um, a little painful or, or just uncomfortable for them. But I think your vet would probably tell you, you know, when it's time to take some of those off. Um, He's telling you to pop it when you get home. <laughs> pop that stuff and film it. Ew. Put it online. Ew. Jay will do that. Now, this is something for your crew. This is this is something for your crew to participate in. I do feel the dog is uh, sometimes a little constipated. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Todd's old psychic veterinarian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna make this dog's last so, day so beautiful. He's gonna be like, finally, she gets me. I don't know what happened with her, but she's like, she understands what I'm it took saying. Took twelve years, oh, but she years. caught on. Twelve years. Well, oh well, he's loved. Yeah. He's happy. He owns the yeah, couch. I, she's I mean, really comfortable. I don't feel any red flags there. I, I feel like the dog yeah. doing okay. pretty well. Cool. Um, you're going to have a very, uh, very busy year around June. I also feel some mm-hmm. traveling over July with family or, or people that are close to you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I'm feeling like the better time of the year will be probably September, October for you. Okay. Um, do you have a sister? I do not have a sister. Okay. I see you with a friend. She seems like a very close friend to you. Okay. I don't know if you're the same age, but it feels like you guys are very close. So okay. Maybe she comes to me like a sister. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, does that sound familiar to you? Yes, it does. Okay. Steve's um, rolling his like eyes. He- she got a friend who's same age. The, oh the text line, though, I gotta say, everyone loves it. I'm, the text I'm line, as he started going, like oh, your closest People friends, your, your closest friends are like, oh my god! Right off the bat, he's hitting this like goosebumps. Wow! Like everybody it, that yeah. that knows uh, yeah. knows Jen and kind of knows her deal. They're watching, yeah. Um, they are definitely seeing Todd in action. That's great. His, his only question was, are you from St. Louis? Yes. Okay, your dog's got cyst. <laughs> True story. Man. Um, what, what questions do you have for me specifically? Because I could go on and on about, you know. Dog cyst. Okay. Constipation. Okay. No. And this is for all the marbles. Give me oh. the last question. No, I'm buzzing. We got to yell it. Whoever yells it out first wins. I'm not doing any crap. All right. 
Loser's got to drink. Loser's got to drink a, this bowl. There you go. Hey, give loser me some of that. I feel bad. Hang no, it. Loser no, drinks the bowl. Loser drinks the bowl. This bowl. Remember that part where I said if you get one right, you can have some whipping cream. Yeah, but I'm not drinking whipping cream. Me neither. It's gross. It was pretty terrible. I'll make fettuccine out of it. I mean, my wife will because I'm a man. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, honey. All right. Wrap Hold on, up. that's really hot. Wrap it up. You think? You are dying over here. Sir. My lips. Finally got <laughs> my lips. Did you get it on your lips? I've been avoiding my what lips. What do I got? Celebrities? I got it in my it's eye. A celebrities category? <laughs> and I'm the guy? I'm holding no, serve? No, 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 no. I'm holding We're, serve? You yell it out. I'm you holding serve. We are tied, right? Three to three. three, to three. Yell it out, I'm, I'm starting you. to sweat. All right. Sorry, guys. This you is a bad idea. When you go outside. Stupid. Oh, I love it's the music. <laughs> this St. Louis native musician joined the Doobie Brothers in 1976. Michael McDonald. There's no way. There's no way we're gonna make him drink this bowl, right? Oh, he he drink the bowl. Even I. Give me the bowl. Drinking the bowl. Give me the bowl. Drink no, 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 no. Oh, oh, he drink 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 somebody get some video drink footage. Drink the bowl. 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 I want multiple. Hang on a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, I cannot believe this be is bad. happening, guys. Oh, this is going to be a real bad. Michael McDonald. Steven is about to drink. Michael McDonald. Mr. B. I hate Michael McDonald. Mr. B's White Lightning Salsa. Down the hatch. Oh, a bowl. No, no, Steve, Steve. God. You got to think about it. No, don't do that, Steve. Don't. Don't. Steve. Steve, stop. You're a bad boy. Oh, my God. He's not going to be able to finish the show. That was a really poor choice, but Michael McDonald, oh, I didn't know that you were ever going to come through for me. Do not drink that carbonated soda. I'm going to call sex. <laughs> it's in my mustache. It's making my mustache burn. Get that thing away from me. I'm All fine. Right. I'm a man. All right, everybody, let's, let's congratulate me for being the best. We have... An extremely high-ranking member, former high-ranking member of the uh, Hells Angels. I think he was the founder Hope of the Ventura, Cap- Ventura chapter. Um, he's an author. He's got a one-man show uh, in Westport uh, on the 29th and 30th here in St. Louis. We're going to give away a couple of tickets to any of our uh, guests that have any kind of talent at all and can make us laugh. <laughs> we got George Christie on the line. George, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, we're doing well, man. We're doing well. Thanks for joining us. So, George, uh, what... what uh, what makes a guy decide he wants to, to join an MC and, and, and live the, the quote-unquote outlaw life? Well, you know, are you familiar with uh, how the whole outlaw bike uh, culture started? No, no give, give us a little rundown synopsis. on that. Yeah. Well, when the uh, veterans came back from the European and Pacific theaters in World War II, they came home, they were somewhat displaced. Probably some of them suffered from undiagnosed PTSD. They didn't call it that back then. And they started forming these little clubs, uh, I guess, after all that action uh, in combat and whatnot, coming home and not feeling like they really fit in. All these little small bike clubs started springing up. And the American Motorcycle Association... Deem them the one percent that ruined it for the wholesome riders, and these guys loved that title, and they started calling themselves the one percenters. So the uh, booze fighters, the galloping goose, the poo bobs, uh, then the hell's angels—they all became the one percent clubs, and that was really the birth of uh, the outlaw bike culture. It really started in 1947 when the San Francisco Chronicle showed up in Hollister, California, at one of these rallies, and they took a bunch of pictures and put it out over the wire and wrote a picture how these guys, wrote a story about how these guys took over the town. It was kind of a lot of myth, uh, uh, more myth than fact. But, you know, it picked uh, up uh, momentum, and people kind of wrapped their arms around it, and kind of a new American myth was created. Now, are you familiar with the movie uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure? <laughs> oh, boy. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, I'm going to tell you. You know, those were actual Hell's Angels. Remember when he had wow, the bar scene? Oh, really? No. Uh, yeah, I remember We were that. talking about that before the show, actually. <laughs> and I, I've got to tell you. Now, I'm giving you some inside scoop here. Yeah. Nice. Pee-wee's bike disappeared off the set. For real? No, I'm, not pointing, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody. 
You got it. He's got the bike. That's what I'm picking up on. Uh, it was reality imitates art, I guess. Uh, that's, wow. It's more accurate than Sons of Anarchy, probably. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, George, that's right. I got an interesting little phone call uh, the other day, guys. And it was uh, it was a, a little voicemail that was left to me. We, we've expressed some interest in, uh, in Sasquatches and uh, Bigfoots and Yetis and... We have. We've expressed a little bit of interest in that. And so uh, uh, my cousin had a buddy. Uh, after a long trip uh, out west, he, he did a westward expansion uh, of okay, consciousness, like a westward expansion of consciousness. And uh, on his travels, he, uh, he ran across some, uh, some Bigfoot experts. Um, so we, he left me that nice little voicemail. I don't know if we've got that queued up. Uh, I think Seth did. Hey, Greg, Bigfoot oh. Bill here. Listen, I just talked to your, to your cousin, Ryan. And he said you was looking for an expert on your show about Bigfoot, that you lost your other guest. Well, I happen to be an amateur expert in the ways of Bigfoot and children's songs. So please give me a call back. Uh, you'll have to call here. Unless you have a satellite phone, you have to give Ryan a call, and he will send me a smoke signal. And then I will come over to his house, and then we will talk, and I will give you a call back. So just go ahead and do all that, and uh, we will be on for Friday night on Hoosier Sophisticates. All right. It's, All right, I like it's it. It's still better than George Christie's connection. It's still better. Yes. The mountain man had better. He did. He was on that. a satellite phone in the middle of Squatch Country, and he was coming through better than the uh, former leader of the Hell's Angels. Oh, I love it. And most likely because he's found a way to uh, avoid being tapped by the by the authorities that would want to keep his his uh, information under wraps. Guys, we didn't have a satellite phone to call him back. So I did get in touch with Ryan. Ryan sent out a couple smoke signals. He speaks the old language, the language of kings. And uh, we are we are blessed uh, this evening to have Bigfoot Bill himself in studio. Right, Bigfoot Bill, right. how are you, sir? I'm here for him. Roman Clap. It's actually uh, Bigfoot Bill's my dad. Uh, I'm Bigfoot <laughs> Willie Jr. Um, and hello, boys and girls. Uh I am Bigfoot Willie, Jr., amateur expert and children's entertainer. <laughs> very good, very good. I would hire we'll pull you. that mic over here in case the other people want to see what old Bigfoot Willie Jr. Oh yeah, they're getting there. You go. We got you. Can you. Watch this on got you. Exactly what you pictured. Listen, we <laughs> in the microphone in my dentures. <laughs> I don't know if you can see his earrings. You've been on many those. many uh, radio shows before. Um, well. This is a radio show? That's yeah. what you're calling this? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're getting away with it so far. Then I have been on two. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listener, I must ask your input on what it takes to catch a Bigfoot. So far, I've packed a map and compass, a tent that sits all cattywampus, leak-proof boots made out of rubber, do you think they eat peanut butter? <laughs> Just in case I brought a jar, a sleeping bag, an old guitar, one knife, one match, one nice cigar, in hopes of celebration. I'll leave with haste, try not to dawdle, but first, where's my night vision goggles? I know I put them here somewhere, and I'll need them for to find its lair. Oh, here they are, right by my phone. And it's female Sasquatch pheromone. That stuff stinks that worse than Dad's cologne, and that's no exaggeration. Well, I haven't bathed in 16 days, and while that might seem uncouth, to hide my scent, I'm drinking blends of fermented lemon juice. <laughs> I brought a brand new ghillie suit out of a catalog that I found while Googling for Bigfoot sighting blogs. I'll line wait. Try not to make a sound. Now that's an art. I'd hate to hey, scare old Harry off with a sniffle or a fart. <laughs> My friends, at last, I think I'm ready to go searching for a Yeti. I even fit homemade confetti in my fanny pack. A knack is what they'll say I have. Sincerely followed by a laugh. As I stray further from the path, and follow just my gut. But wait, what's this I'm standing in? Is it a female Bigfoot print? 
I'm pretty sure it's genuine from what I can to do. I knew that I would need that plaster so I could make a mold and cast her heel, her arch, her balls and toes. My sanity should no longer be opposed. Once and for all, I have my proof. Evidence they can't refute. I'll tell the whole wide world that... <laughs> Dear listener, I must scribble softly. For if she wakes, it will be costly. You see, I woke up in a cave. And I've been here now 900 days. <laughs> 30 men were all her slaves and forced to do her bidding. Each of us was knocked unconscious because the Bigfoot doesn't want us. Traipsing through her perfect forest and ruining her home. Many Yeti roam this land, pre-infestation of man, and they wiped out nearly all her clan, her most beloved siblings. She makes up straw phony maps, create her giant Sasquatch tracks. To lure other foolish saps into the woods alone. So I beseech you, please don't search her. Photograph or try to hurt her. She doesn't want to be disturbed and certainly does not deserve harassment from which we are guilty. Things that make the conscience filthy. The land we stole, the trees we hurt. They wear her first. We just weren't. Oh my God! Wow! Oh my God! What happened to me? That at was the end? What happened? To, I'm crying <laughs> from laughter and awesome. Steve is crying, and part of that is because this is the very last show ever for Hoosier Sophisticate. We're never going to be better than that, and so no, we brought that out into the world. We're okay. Okay, we were, we were those. We build on that. We want to thank our sponsors, Missouri Medical Cannabis Company, MomedCanco.com. They got vapor now. If you're if yeah, you're a vape, giving away you're a trying vape to juice. get you're trying to stop uh, smoking. Maybe you're taking up vaping. And you want to get some CBD? Guess what? Momed Kanko's got your back. Go to MomedKanko.com, enter Hoso at checkout. You get fifteen percent off. They got the hemp honey. They got the new massage oil. The best hemp products you can find. There are terrific sponsors. They make this whole thing happen. James Carlton State Farm, three one four nine six one forty eight hundred. You got a young driver. He's going to give you a rate, and he's going to make sure that they're safe. That's the other thing. They have a program to teach these kids to drive safe, which is awesome. Keep your rates down. Lifetime roofing, y'all. Roof, roof. Just go Google it. You need exterior work done. They're the, they're the best in the game. Tower class and tattooing in the Grove. Beautiful. I'm so happy. I'm so happy with it's the artwork, not just on me, but for what they did for all of you loyal fans. You guys are so great to us. We love you. We appreciate you. We appreciate you flexing with us so that we can practice being the best dads that we can. Our fathers inspired us. We want to be that for our children and keep building this thing. Start for start at home and make it better. Work out concentrically. We love you. This is Hoosier Sophisticate. Be well, St. Louis.